0: Okay. this morning scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 my son do not forget my law but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you ok praise God length of days and, and peace we all we all have, have issues and uh, things of life challenges of life that we go through And uh, if it's not us, we all know someone who is wrestling and going through challenges uh, in this life. And Jesus said that, you know, he said that in this life you you will have tribulations. He didn't say if, but he said when you have tribulations. And we as Christians who who know the Lord, and I, I really feel so badly for those that don't know God, because when they have trials and tribulations and challenges in this world, they have no one to run to. You know, they try and solve it themselves, you know, but thank God we don't have to do that. We realize our frailties and we have a wonderful and very powerful God to go to, you know, but we all have those struggles and including myself and probably me more than you, believe it or not, because I because of what I do, you know, the devil would love to silence me and other pastors and things from saying what needs to be said, but there was something that I was struggling with a while back and like I said, like you, I have challenges in my life, but I distinctly in prayer, in crying out to him, heard God say to me, I will bring you through this. Okay, I will bring you through this. The situation at the time, without going into a whole lot of detail, seemed impossible. I didn't know what the answers were. But God did, and all I needed to do was to give my, my, my weakness to him. Okay, because my weaknesses in him become strong. And he said to me, I will bring you through this. So why don't we turn to Proverbs uh, 3 that Brother Brandon just read from. Um, again, as I, as I always say, we cannot sit here in church and listen to what I have to say or things based on my opinion. Um, I, I never want to preach on my opinion if you... Ask my opinion of the dress you're wearing or the car you're driving. I may give you my opinion, but when it comes down to the word of God, my opinion simply is not good enough. We have to go to the, to the word of God. So in the third, chap- in the third uh, chapter of Proverbs there, relative to, um, to, us, to us needing to understand that God will indeed see you through it, we have to understand what he says in his word. So chart- starting with Proverbs one, My son... Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So right away we see that the word of God is saying that if we keep God's commandments, it's going to add length of days to our lives. Simple as that. Verse number 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. If you don't already have that underlined or highlighted, please underline and highlight it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but the the operative words there are lean not unto your own understanding. You see, when I was struggling through my issue, I was trying to figure it out myself. Therefore, I was leaning on my understanding. I was leaning on my abilities, you see. But trusting in God says exactly that. Trust in God and don't try to reason it out. We human beings are excellent, you know, we're experts at at rationalizing. You know, if we think hard enough on and long enough we'll believe that the sky is green, you know, if it fits our purpose, you see. But in the things of God when you're really struggling and when God is saying, I shall bring you through this, then you can't lean on your own understanding and trying to figure out how could that be. Two plus two equals four, so how is God going to make this happen? Well, God is greater than that, okay? So lean not on your own understanding. In verse number six, the important part also is, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So when I was trying to figure out how I was going to get through this, the first thing I I had to do was to acknowledge God. Acknowledge the fact that he is, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and that he is an all-powerful God and nothing is impossible for him. And then don't lean on my rationale, my intellect, to figure out how it's going to happen. Just to simply, simply trust him and acknowledge him and then to simply know that God will direct your path. You go to bed on Sunday night, Monday morning, you've got a troublesome event coming up. Don't try to figure out how it's going to play out on Monday morning. Simply trust God because God will direct your path. God will indeed direct your path Be not wise in your own eyes Fear the Lord and depart from evil It shall be health to your navel and marrow to thy bone Being wise in your own eyes Is getting more puffed up in yourself Thinking that you know better than God that's being wise in your own eyes. You see? Um, uh, <clears throat> first, number 8 says, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. This is where tithes and offerings come in. So shalt thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights, you see. Now, any one of us, all of us who are parents, you know that at times we have to chastise or chasten our children. I mean, if you don't, you see the results. We have so many spoiled kids out there, and I won't names, but one young man starts with a Bieber. <laughs> all right, but, 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 but you know, if, if we spare, if we spare children too much and we don't chastise, if you love your child, you'll correct them. You will correct them, you know. You wind up doing more harm than good if you just let them go, you see. And the same it is with God. You know, God loves us so much, but, you know, if we're not following his ways, uh, he will indeed at some point in time correct us. Amen? Amen? So then he, then he goes on to say here, um, Lord, love thee, verse number 13, Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou can desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retains her. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth, by understanding has he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down like dew. The dew. How many of us, when we're praying for something, will instead of saying, "Lord God, gimme, gimme, gimme," I, I need that fancy red car, or I need this, I need that job, or I need that position, will instead instead ask God for wisdom. You know, the next time you're in need of something or you're struggling with something, why don't you try? Praising God, first of all, and then say, Lord, give me your wisdom. Give me your wisdom, okay? And I promise you that God will indeed guide you. You'll have a thought for action. You'll have a plan of action that will seem to come out of nowhere. You'll have some guidance that you didn't even think of because you could not think of it. We in our finite minds cannot know what is happening tomorrow. We in our finite minds do not know um, what what forces might be lining up in juxtaposition to us. We do not know what is going on on morrow, but God does, you see. So for a change, instead of us simply asking for that red car, the new house, the whatever, the whatever, you know, why don't you say first of all, Lord God, give me your wisdom to navigate through this, okay, okay, because God will get you through it. I don't care what is going on in your life right now. God will indeed get you through it. But ask him for wisdom. You see, the problem again is many times, even we Christians, you know, when when that that, that urgent thing pops into our lives, we try to figure out how are we going to solve it? How are we going to work our way through it? Gee, who do I know on the board of directors? You know, who do I know here? Who, who can I call? You know, what can I, who can I speak to, you see? But instead, try praying and asking God for wisdom, because wisdom is more priceless than rubies and gold. Verse number 21 says, My son, let, let, not, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and direction. Sh- so shall they be life unto your soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and your foot shall not stumble. You see? If you're praying and God is giving you wisdom and you're following what God is telling you to do, you won't stumble. It's impossible, you know. You know, many of you know how much I love astronomy, you know, not astrology, astronomy. Let's get that clear, all right. You, You know, and you look at the heavens and you see at the precision in which things careen through the universe. You know, they call it chaos. It's not chaotic at all. God knows where every single planet and nebulae are at any given time. So if God can command all of that, do you think not think he can get you out of the situation that you're in? You know? To you it may seem like you're in command of the universe. This problem may seem like a Goliath of a problem, okay? But in like manner though, Goliath in terms of Goliath, what did David do? David slew Goliath with one stone. One stone and the faith of God in him. And you've heard the expression, that's a Goliath of a problem. Many times it does. It seems like it's a huge problem and it's insurmountable. But with God guiding you and telling you what to do, you will indeed be able to accomplish it because God will indeed bring you through it. God will bring you through it. Then thou shalt walk in thy way safely and your foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Is that problem keeping you awake at nights? Are you tossing and turning? Try giving it to God. God is telling you that if you do this, your sleep will be sweet. You see? And I know I certainly have done it, too, and I have to remind myself. I'm sitting there trying to figure it out. Gee, come Monday, I have to do this, I have to do that, until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me when my head is on that pillow and says, have you forgotten what I've told you? Have you forgotten what you just preached in your own sermon? (laughs) Okay, alrighty. And I have to arrest myself and say, okay, Lord, I'm giving it to you. You see? And if you can get in the habit of doing that, and, and trust me, no, don't trust me, I promise you, trust God, but I promise you that if you can get in the habit of doing that, you shall literally feel, physically feel, a weight being lifted off your shoulders. You'll take a deep breath, you'll find a sigh coming in, because then you'll realize that I don't have to do this myself. That there is someone much greater than I, who wishes me to succeed, who wishes me to get out of the situation, who wishes me to get where it is I need to be and want to be. Amen? Amen? And because of that, as the word of this says, when you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thou shalt sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Sudden fear is then, and it's all I it's happened to every single one of us. You pick up the phone or you open a piece of mail and all of a sudden there's some devastating news in it, something that you really don't need to hear, you know, and that's normal. It's normal. We are indeed still human beings living very much in a flesh body, fleshly body. All right. So that reaction is very, very natural. But the difference between us and the non-believer or the unbeliever is that after you get that sudden fear, Your spirit automatically kicks into gear, and these words that you've read, these words that you studied over the weeks, the months, the years, the decades, it comes bubbling up, the living water that we talked about in last week's ceremony, service. That, 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 That word of God comes bubbling up, and it comes back to you, what God would say, and that sudden fear should be arrested. That sudden fear should dissipate. That sudden fear should go. So you get that initial shock, yeah, but right away you run back to God, and you say, okay, God, take this from me. Take this. Take this. Every single time there has been an event in our lives, our being, my wife and I, concerning, concerning the kids. We have beautiful children and beautiful grandchildren. And whenever there's an emergency, that sudden fear, you know, the kid broke down and fell down and the blood's gushing and so forth, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that sudden fear. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? After you get off of that, and my children will tell you, the next thing we do is we grab whoever's around in the family and we pray. And we pray. All right? You get a word that somebody's in the hospital. You get over that sudden shock and that sudden fear hits you and your, your stomach kind of drops. Then the very next thing you do is you get into prayer. All right? you, you don't get stressed out. You don't go whining, you know, trying to figure out how can you fix it? How can you fix it? All right? Then it goes on to say here, uh, verse 27, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Now, this goes to us who manage people and so forth. You're in a place of authority, and and it is in your power and authority to to do good to someone, to reward them. Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back. You know, being vengeful or whatever. This is why, if you were listening to prayer earlier, and I was saying about um, even pray for those who are in opposition to you. We need to pray for our enemies, not my words. The Word of God says that. You know, so if you're in a position, you have an employee or someone you're working with or someone you're in authority over, and they've done a good job, or they reward, they, they, they deserve a reward, don't hold back simply because they've given you a hard time. Amen? Amen? There's a lot to be said for us. Um, God does things for us even though, at, even though we did not deserve it. God gave us his only begotten son. All right? Paid the price for us. That's what grace is all about. Grace is something that can't be earned. All right? But it was in God's authority to do so, and he did exactly that. Amen, amen. So don't hold back. Um, say not unto thy neighbor, "Go and come again tomorrow." I will give. I will. I will give when when you have it with you. Okay. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the perverse is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he bless, that blesses the habitation of the just. Surely he scoffs at the scoffers, who, uh, but he gives grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. All right, so you see here a number of things why God is saying to simply trust on him. And then we get to Psalm, um, Psalm 1. Go to Psalm One here because we need some instruction here. How is it, how is it that I am to rest, knowing Lord that you're going to, um, you're going to get me through this, whatever's going on in your life? You know, we need some confirmation from God on how this is actually going to come about. So, looking at Psalm number one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So in the first place now, walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, we run around sometimes trying to take advice from people. But are you taking advice from someone that's ungodly? That's the last place I want to have advice coming from. Amen. So we don't need to be walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And that's good for a couple of way- reasons. In the first place, the, the, the person that is ungodly doesn't know God. What kind of good advice can he or she give you? Okay, they're going to give you worldly advice. You know, they're going to give you worldly advice, right? Remember again, to use David and Goliath, when David was going to go out to fight Goliath, what did Saul say to him? Saul said to him, here, take my armor to go and fight fight this big giant. Remember, David tried on the armor, the shield and and all of the other armor, and it was too heavy. He didn't feel comfortable in it. He said, no, I'm not going to take this, and he took it off, and he knew that he he was going to fight it God's way. He was going to fight it God's way. He was going to use that one stone, not to get not to get sidetracked into, the, into that whole, because there's a whole sermon there, but that one stone was significant of, of David's oneness with God. He actually chose five, and five in biblical, um, biblical numeric, numerics, not numerology again, in biblical numerics. Five is the number of grace. You read the story, they will tell you that he chose five smooth stones. The reason why God put the word smooth in there because he said he took them from a brook is because sto- stones that are naturally just sitting around are often very jagged, okay, irregular in shape. The stones in the brook, though, because they've been washed by water, washed by water, washed by water, water being symbolic of Holy Spirit, the stones were smooth. And being smooth, they were aerodynamically sound so they could go on a good trajectory when he threw that stone. The one was, again, significant of his oneness of God. All he needed was one. The point I'm making is that he did not need all of that mighty armor that Saul was offering him. Okay? So, what does that have to do with us in the 21st century, those of us living living here today? We don't go using the weapons and the warfare and the attacks and the payback that people of the world do. We don't take counsel from ungodly people the way Saul was telling him to use the armor, okay? We don't take that counsel. We do it the way God would have us to do, okay? We take the one stone of David. So whatever is going on in your life that God is saying he's going to bring you through this, today I'm saying that he's going to bring you through whatever is going on in your life, all right? Then you ask yourself, Lord, you say to the Lord, Lord, give me your wisdom. How do I proceed here, okay? Knowing that your answers are not going to come from the world. They're not going to someone who does not know God, right? We need to really change our paradigm and our mindset, the way we think about how we relate to God, you know, and and not behave the way the unbelievers or the non-believers do. And when there's an issue in in your life, asking yourself, how do I align myself with God? How do I make sure that I'm aligned with God? Okay, so he goes on to say here in verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Please the line? does he meditate day and night? And I can't emphasize this more because if you want God to get you out of this mess and you want him to navigate you through this, we cannot be drive-by Christians, okay? We can't just drive by church once a month, once a quarter, or for the five major holidays of the year, you know, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and so on, all right? We, we need to meditate on God's Word day and night, all right? Spend some time with the Bible. You know, I know if you're reading a good novel, you know, you got Tom Clancy going or something, you can't put it down at night, all right? You're reading a good novel, you can't put it down. we try to get that same way with the Word of God. You know, Read it and meditate on it. You know, And the thing about it is the way the Word of God is written many times, especially if you're reading King James Version, you know, all the these and the vows may hang you up a little bit, but the reason the Word says meditate, the Word of God says to meditate on it, is because you think about it. You think about it. You, know? you come across a scripture when you're reading it that you don't understand. Literally, just pause there and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is, what is the meaning of this? Explain this to me. Reveal it to me. And I guarantee you, every time around, you will get some revelation knowledge, as it's called, of what that scripture is telling you. And many times you'll see that this is exactly what I needed to hear, God. This is exactly the word that I needed for this particular situation, you see. Because God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, omnipresent, He's every place at at any one time, and omniscient, all-knowing, it's amazing how... God can minister to some how many billions of people on the earth simultaneously. How does he do that? Well, he's God. He's God. That's his job. He knows the situation that you're in, you see, and you need to get beyond the point of feeling that you're in this by yourself because you're not. You are not, you know. One of the things that we as Christians find such a hard thing to do is to really, really believe that God is, you know, to really know that he is by your side. It's very easy for you to turn around and see the person sitting next to you, you know, and if you, if I was to ask you, is Tanya sitting over there, well, you Would you'll say, no, she isn't. Why? Because you can't see her. Well, that's not the case with God, you see. But we as Christians, we have such a hard time. We wrestle with the concept of God being an invisible God can still be with us, and Holy Spirit is in us. Holy Spirit is in us, you see, you see. So we have to get past that mental block that God is some off and some distant thing. And, and as a side note to help you in this quest, in this turnaround, is um try and get in the habit of not referring to Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit. You know, we say God, meaning Father God, we say Jesus. Holy Spirit's name is Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Now, that may seem like a silly and a, a minor thing to you, but... The fact that we, out of habit and out of raising, upbringing, and so on like that, we've all learned to say the Holy Spirit, it impersonalizes who Holy Spirit is. We think of the Holy Spirit as the, as an entity. For you Star Wars fans, as the force be with you. (laughs) All right, okay, and he is not some cloud that's floating around, you know, in 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 the ether. You know, he is the third person of the Godhead. He is God. So if you can get in the habit, just a little exercise, stop calling him or referring to him as the Holy Spirit and simply say, Holy Spirit. By so doing, if you can get yourself in the habit of doing that, it will make Holy Spirit that much more personal to you. All right, And when you start addressing him as such, you'll start to feel and know his presence. This thing that you're wrestling with, whatever it is that God is saying, is saying this day that he will bring you through, when you get to the point that you can really make a Holy Spirit connection with Him, you will feel His presence. You will feel His presence. I recall one time in my early days of of, uh, of being a Christian, and again I'm wrestling with I'm always wrestling with something. It seems, you know, like everyone else. But I was wrestling with something, and uh, I remember I was in my prayer closet, which is my bathroom, as everyone knows, because that's where solitude, where I have solitude and peace and everything. And uh, um, I was on my knees, and I distinctly heard him say, and I felt an embrace around my shoulders, and he says, "My son, I am with you. Fret not. Simple as that." And I literally felt. His embrace on my back and around my shoulders, all right? I was much, much, much younger days, and I will never forget that, you know? And I'm saying to you, I mean, I wasn't on LSD. I wasn't tripping or anything else like that, okay? I mean, you know, um, God is real. One of our biggest blockages in this area is that we believe that God is, you know? We believe that God is. But newsflash, even Satan knows that God is, Demons, the demons know who God is. All right. But what's our relationship with Him? Okay. Who do you believe God is relative to you? That's what you need to ask yourself. If you can get to the point of really honestly saying to yourself and knowing in your heart of hearts, deep within your spirit, that God is indeed who He says He is and what He says He will do for you is absolutely true. You can trust his word better than anyone you know. You can trust his word better than mine, all right? You ask me to do something, 99% for surety, I will certainly do it. But there's always that 1% chance that something could happen or some other reason where I cannot do it. God is 100% on the mark, on the time. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, stop thinking about your timing in terms of when it must be done. Lean not on your own understanding. God knows you've got to pay that bill. God knows what's coming up down the pike. He knows your time frame for whatever the need is. Okay, but don't lean on your understanding. Know that God knows your life better than you do. All right? So then he goes on to say here... um uh, verse number three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season. Underline in its season. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Please no line, whatsoever he does, does shall prosper. If you do those things, you're meditating on the word of God. You're not following the counsel of the ungodly. God will bring forth things to pass in its season. If you notice, there's a season for a child to be born. There's a season for the snow. There's a season for that. There's a season for this. There's a season by, you know, by which a one year is calculated, the time it takes for the earth to travel around the sun. Everything is in its season, you see. The problem is many times we want things out of God's season, okay, out of God's season. Now, that can be dangerous. thing can get you into trouble, all right? And, again, I mean, I, I use myself a lot because I know me better than others. Um, I love gadgets. Okay? I love gadgets. And if I push, and, and many times, you know, I want that new iPad, and I will pray about it. I'll pray about it. Lord, should I get it now? Should I do this or whatever? And then all of a sudden, Best Buy has got this sale, and I run down, and I get what I think is a good good deal. But it wasn't in God's season. Okay? Two weeks or so later, you know, CDW or someone else advertises $50 cheaper. Okay? And then I'm like, why couldn't I wait? <laughs> okay? Why couldn't I wait? Okay? Now, that's on a very, very, very material level, but I'm telling you, the same thing happens in our lives. We do things because we want things in our season. Okay? You see? But God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next week. So when we push and do things in our season... It can be out of stride with what is about to happen the next day, the next two weeks, the next month. Okay? So you have to sit back and rest. God knows what your requirements are. God knows what you need. You see, So it has, it has to be rest in his season. And then it says, uh, His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. One last couple of scriptures here. Before we close, let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Okay, God will bring you through this. Hebrews 11. Some very, very familiar scriptures. Hebrews 11, uh, verse number 1. Hebrews 11... Verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now underline the word now, okay? And that now is meant to be read um, in in the in the original Greek when this is written. You tend the unknowing will read that as now faith is as though you're saying, well, now I got to go to the store, you know? Oh, now I know what you mean. No, what this is saying is now. Tense-wise, time-wise, meaning continuous faith, all right? We don't have faith yesterday and then don't have it today. We don't have something happening and then we're saying, I don't have any faith today, but I'll have faith tomorrow, okay? Faith is not tied to time. God and his existence and the kingdom of God transcends time and space. Faith in God is now, it's continuous, so if you've got something going on, you've got to say to yourself that my faith is not going to lapse on Monday or I had it Saturday and is not going to be with me today, that now faith has to be a continuous thing. You don't just, just have faith for a little short period of time, all right? And God does not use any words, any words in his, in his Bible, in his scriptures, does not use any words just for the sake of putting them in. The reason why faith has to be continuous is because God knows that the moment that your faith lapses, who does that make room for? The minute your guard is down, the devil comes in and will plant more doubt. Okay? You can't make any place for him. You've got to make sure that your faith is continuously turned up on high. The minute it starts lapsing, you start weakening, you know, then you become like chaff in the wind because then you get blown back and forth by every single circumstance that pops up. So how do I make sure that my faith is continuous and that it's now, it's not yesterday, or it'll be for tomorrow? It's by you meditating on the word of God and getting that word deep down in you, you see? You see, because when you meditate when you meditate on that word and the scriptures are down in your spirit, I don't mean intellectually meditating, I mean getting them into your spirit. There are some people that can read the Bible or recite it back, they're very gifted, can recite it back from, from Genesis to Revelation. You tell them, what does you know, 1 Corinthians 1.9 say, and they'll spout it out to you, or, or quote a scripture, what verse that, and they can quote it out. Well, that's, that could be intellectual learning. You need to get the Word of God deep down in here. All right? I was never one to be able to do that. You know, I mean, if you just spurt a, a scripture out to me, I might not be able to say what chapter and verse it is, but I will tell you one thing. Every single time I've been in a court, you know, for, for employee, employee reasons or any other situation that came up in my life, whenever the Word of God was needed, those scriptures bubbled up. Okay? They bubbled up. If you're meditating on the Word of God day and night and those scriptures get down deep in your spirit, you know, if someone asks you real quickly where do you live, you don't have to stop and get your address book to tell the address, you know, because you know where you live. Well, you have to know the Word of God. It has to be with you in here, all right? So that when the devil comes at you, all right, that scripture pops up, okay? Case in point, Jesus, after he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, remember the dove came down on him and the Father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased, okay? Remember that? He went off into the desert. You know what happened with those three temptations? What did the devil tell him? You, you know, you know, make you're, you're hungry. Jesus was hungry from fasting. You know, turn these bread, these rocks into stone. Jesus countered him with the word of God. Jesus countered him with the word of God. That is your best defense. Knowing the word of God. All right. So that will keep your faith going up because when that thing comes into your life that is so challenging to you, the word of God will bounce up from in here and it will come back into your mind. Okay, it's got to be in your spirit first. We are a tripartite being, three part being. Right, 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 right? Our our physical body, all right? We have a soul, but we are a spirit. The soul is your mind. This is where your, your, your personality is, your emotions, all right? Your body obviously is your physical body. Your spirit is who you were made in the image of God. That is the true you. At one point in time, whenever we pass from this physical existence, our spirit does not die. There is no cessation of thought. There is no such thing as soul sleep. Okay, all right, the thing that is you, that spirit that is you continues, and you are conscious. So that's where you need to get the Word of God, because when the Word of God is in your spirit, when that time of trouble comes up, it bubbles up into your mind, okay, where you can process what's going on, and then that will guide your actions. The problem is, is that until we get to that point, we live our lives based on our souls, or our minds, or our emotions, without checking with the spirit, you see? So if you're meditating on the Word of God, you've got those words deep in your spirit, and your faith is constantly now, you're in that now state, that continual state of, 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 of faith, when a challenge comes at you, the devil can't get in you, okay, or can't get to you, until you turn those rocks into stone, okay, or try to tempt you in some other way. You see, tempting you away, you know... We oftentimes think that, that that temptation has to be some big thing with lights flickering and, oh, here it comes, you know, and red lights flashing. And, you, you know, you think it's some real sinful thing coming up in front of you that you wouldn't dare entertain. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. The devil is very, very subtle, very subtle. He's, a, he's insidious. All right? All right? He, he'll sneak at you uh, in all sorts of little lesser ways just to tear down your faith. You've heard me say it many, many times. You know, you want to cook a frog, you don't drop a frog in scalding hot water. He'll try to jump out and so forth. But the way you do it, you put him in cold water, right, Start the flame ever so gently, then over time slowly increase the flame until the water warms up and the poor thing doesn't even know when it's gone, all right? The devil does the same thing to us in our lives. He very rarely will jump at you with something and flashing red lights. Here comes a sin, here comes a temptation, here comes something for you to worry about. But he will ever so subtly just turn up something, turn up something, turn up something. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly, I mean, you know, if people tell, oh, it's okay for you to do that. It's okay for you to do this. Oh, it's okay. So-and-so is doing it. So-and-so did it. How many of us who had kids, when youngsters when they were 10, 11, 12 years old in grade school, and he wanted to wear some ridiculous outfit to school or wanted to do something else, you know. And he said, Oh no, you're not going to Well, so and so's mother, lets up. Well, that's so and so's mother. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, you belong to us and you're not you're not wearing that, you're not going and so on. Okay. You see that's taking counsel from the ungodly. But those are little things that if you relax in that situation, Oh, well okay, you're going and do that. That's harmless, you know. That that's harmless, you know. Next thing when that kid comes back to you with something else. Well so and sos doing it. okay, go on yeah, you know. And she's go, Well, mom, I just shot so and so. Oh, that's okay, that's okay. All right, all right, okay. Exaggeration greatly to illustrate a point. <laughs> okay? Because that's how the devil does things in our lives makes us make excuses and and start believing that things are okay. So you have to know. And that now faith, the reason God has emphasized that now faith is that you you need to make sure it's continuous. Um, Because this is the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders received witness. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen, things which are seen, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. All right, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. All right, now that that's a very heavy, heavy statement because what it's saying is that is that the the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, preexisted the physical realm. So everything that exists today in the physical realm came from the spiritual realm. When God said, "Light, let there be light," or "Light be," as the original um, Hebrew says, "Light be," light was. You know, you want to get into. Um, uh, evolutionism and so forth like that, where they try to justify it by saying there was this primordial atom that existed and went bang. Well, where did the atom come from? Yeah. But anyway, um, God said, might be, and there was light. All right? and, and you have to understand that everything that we, that we see and exist today at some point did not exist, but it came from the spirit realm. All right? And you just have to have that faith because no way can you prove that. You see, but now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders received witness. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Um, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and uh, by it uh, being dead yet speaketh. Enoch, by faith, Enoch was... um, Enoch was translated that he should not see death And was not found Because God had translated him For before his translation He had this testimony that he pleased God Now listen to verse number 6 And please highlight it or put a bracket But without faith It is impossible to please him Amen Without faith it is impossible to please him For he that comes to God Must believe Please underline. Must believe That he is Underline he is And that he is, underline he is, a rewarder of them that diligently, underline, uh, seek him. What does diligently mean? It means with focus. It means with, with, with premeditation. When I'm looking for that brand new iPad, I diligently seek it. All right? Ladies with the shoes. If you're like my wife, when she's looking for a new pair of shoes, she diligently seeks those shoes. Okay? So the same way that you've gone after something in your life that you really, really want, alrighty, it's saying here that 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 God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Alright? Without faith, you can't please Him. Simple as that, you know. So one of the ways that you can remember it is that Do I want to get God bent out of shape over me? Do I want to displease Him? Well, one easy way to do it is to start losing faith. And when God is saying to you that He's going to get you through this, whatever that this is, then you got to have that faith. You've got to keep it. Don't be worrying about trying to figure out how is God going to do that. God is God. God is God. God God's creation is, 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 is just wondrous. Just wondrous. You know? I broke my wrist back in December and uh with the uh X rays and at the orthopedist and showing me the X rays and how all the bones fit together. I mean you just just the hand, you sit there in awe. And look at the bones, how, how they give you the articulation that you have in your hand and your fingers to movement. Uh, I appreciate it on a daily basis while I'm still working to get it to function properly. I appreciate how it was when it, when it was functioning properly. So if you know all of that and you, and you know how awesome God is, and if God can create that hand, it's no small job, no big job for him to take care of whatever it is that you're struggling with. But you got to have the faith that, that he's going to do it, all right? Because otherwise you don't want to get to the place of, of, uh, of not pleasing him, okay? The last scriptures I promise you before closing is, let's go to Genesis 22 and talk about faith. Genesis 22, and this is a story that you all are familiar with, or an event that you're all familiar with. Genesis 22, and we'll start with... Um, Verse number one, we'll go through these scriptures and then we'll close. Chapter 22, verse number one, and it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and cut the wood for, uh, for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Okay. First of all, if God had told you to take your only son and to do this for a sacrifice, how would we all react to that? Okay. All right. Anything is, I mean, so out of, wow, I mean, how would most people react to saying, take your son, your only son that you love, take him to a place where I'm going to sacrifice him. Okay? But then again, look at God. What did God do? He sent his only begotten son that he loved, sacrificed him for us. All right? So God had an expectation of Abraham and said, This is what I want you to do. Verse number three the significance of Abraham rose up is really significant there because it means that Abraham was obedient. He didn't sit and wrestle with him. says, he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, took two of his two young men, Isaac's son, and cut the wood, and so on. Verse number four says, then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with, with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now he didn't tell them what he was about to do, but he simply said, you wait here. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon uh, Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. The poor boy Isaac carried his own wood. <laughs> wow. Okay? And then he says in verse number 7, And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I my son. And he said, Behold the fire in the wood, but... But 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 where is the lamb for a burnt offering? All right? So he's starting to wonder, you know, what's going on here? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Please in the line, God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering. You see, and I don't know if you were, were listening to the song there uh, because of who you are, but in citing the many names of God there, she said Jehovah Jireh, okay, or Yehovah Yireh. And Jehovah Jireh means God, my provider, all right? That's one thing you should always remember, Jehovah Jireh. If you remember, none of the other names of God. Remember God, remember Jehovah Jireh, because he will indeed provide. All right. <clears throat> um, and so, God was, so he's saying how much faith he had. God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went together. And they came to the place with God, which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, can you imagine what was going through Isaac's head, you know, at at this point? And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. You know, just let me just pause for a minute. Um, Obedience to the father. As far as this lad knew, his father was about to kill him, you know? I mean, how much more can you really say? Um, thank God, none of us in our lives have ever had that experience, and hopefully we we'll never have a similar experience. You know, but you kind of put yourself in that place and just kind of wonder, how would you be if your mom or your dad tied you up and laid you and told you to get on wood like that, knowing it was about to happen? How obedient would we be? How much faith would we have that somehow this was going to work out okay? Whereas in our own understanding, meaning on our own understanding, here's my dad who's gone nuts, and he's got a knife poised over me. He's about to take my life. But meaning not on my understanding, but trusting in God, I just say whatever's going to happen, God has me. Whatever's going to happen, God's going to get me through this. Okay? All right? He did not... See, did not know where this was going. I mean, I'm sure he wondered and could guess. I mean, well, I'm going to be sacrificed. But he also was obedient to his father. So the same way Isaac was obedient to his father and Abraham was obedient to his father, God, so must we be obedient to God the Father. Not trying to figure out with our own measly, finite, puny minds, you know, What does it mean to be obedient? But simply without question, just obeying him and knowing that the outcome of this is going to be that God's going to get me through this. Okay? So, Abraham stretched, verse 10 Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Please, in the line. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Okay? For now I know that thou fearest God. All right? So when you get to the point in your life that you will do whatever it is that you hear and feel God telling you to do, regardless of what you think it might cost you, if you know that 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 God is telling you to do this, then you need to go forth and do it. Okay, because that's when God kicks into action, you see. We don't see God working. Another message we had a few weeks ago was under construction, you know, when God closes the door, that's a door closed before you. You know, you, you don't know what God is doing in your life that is under construction. So all you have to do is to simply, blindly do what God is telling you to do, you see. But this is where it's so critical that you meditate on God's words day and night so that you know that this is God telling you to do this and not some ungodly person. So whatever is going on in your life that God is going to bring you through, the advice that you take, you make sure that advice is coming from God, because so, any place else can be very, very most likely to send you in the wrong direction, you see. But if you know that 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 is God telling you to do this, then you can rest assured that what, if you do that, that it will be okay. Okay? That it will be okay. You don't try and figure out how it's going to be okay. You just simply continue trusting him. All right? So he says, so he says, uh, uh, um, you know, so the angel says, uh, now I I know that you fear God. So that means God will kick into action, seeing that thou hast not uh, withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by his thorns. All right? Okay. That ram wasn't there before, but all he did was was simply was obedient to God. So then God provided for him, you see. So the same thing that you're wrestling with, if you just go through and do what you feel and know that God is telling you to do, that's when God kind of rolls up his sleeves and says, now I can work. Now I can work. The whole time that you're kind of teeter-tottering on doubt, you know, and you're wondering what's going on, you're not pleasing God, all right, you know, and, and, and. As much as God loves you, because he's God, God cannot violate his own word, okay? God says, if you do this, then I will do this. If you go here, then I will be there, okay? So because God said that... Even though sometimes I think God has tears in his eyes because he looks at us and how we still do things our way and we don't stop and listen to what he's saying, I think God sometimes has tears because maybe in his heart of hearts he would like to do something, but because he can't violate his own word, he won't, he can't. Because God is truth. God cannot lie. You see? If God was to violate his own word, then that means everything that he said possibly could be wrong. So that means everything about the cross, Jesus Christ, all that is for naught. So what is our whole faith system based on? Okay, it's based on a God that could be wishy-washy, you know, could be like us, changing our minds and so forth, You, you, you know, you know. There, 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 there's no such thing as, as a commandment that was given That now by the um, governance and the decisions of a group of men sitting together Can now decide that that part of the Bible no longer applies anymore No, that doesn't get it God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever God God's word does not change No group of men, I don't care how theological or or, 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 or how, you know Oh brother, I praise the Lord and how holier than thou they may be um, um, Man cannot change God's word Plus, the Word of God in Revelation warns against that. Let's say about the person who changes one job or tittle of this word, what's going to happen? All right, so you can see people rewriting Bibles, and I'm not talking about the verses that have been translated. Okay, I'm not talking about rewriting the Bible, I mean, adding stuff and taking away stuff. Okay, or, or looking at the Bible like it's an, like it's an a la carte menu. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I'll accept stuff out of the New Testament, the Old Testament. Now, that doesn't apply anymore. Well, I like verses 9, 7, and 12. You know, the 1, 2, and 3. No. Okay? Because the stuff that people want to throw out of the Bible, those are the things that are holding them to accountability. All right? Those are the parts of the Bible that make them uncomfortable because they are still trying to bring God down to man instead of man aspiring to come up to God. So, therefore, they pick and choose what they want to follow in the Bible. Nay, nay, not so. God's Word is God's Word. So, if God said He's going to do this for you, then you, you you can take it to the bank. He'll do it for you, all right? But you've got to trust him. You can't lose that faith. Because when you lose that faith, then you're not pleasing him, you see? Because that means that you, you, you're, not, you're not listening to him. You, you don't you don't, think, you don't think he's real. You don't take him for, you know, it's like you're taking him for granted, you know? Stop again, again. We have, you know, we're parents. You know, you're telling your kid to do something. Do they listen? No. And how do you feel when they listen? All right? All right? You don't come in before midnight? You're going to be punished. This is going to happen. I'm going to take this away. They don't come in before midnight. You do that, okay? Maybe you'd like not to, but if you don't, what are you teaching the child? Okay. So God, in similar fashion, is telling us here that that, that if you follow and do what we do, then I will always provide for you. So in in, in playing out the um, the last few scriptures here. Lifted up his eyes, and behold, um, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called, now listen to this Abraham called the name of that place, what? Jehovah Jireh. Okay? Called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. Okay? So Jehovah Jireh, because of the fact that he, that he provided, and if you have a, a Bible with, a, uh, with footnotes, um, footnotes in it, you'll see that next to the name Jehovah Jireh, you'll see it says, the Lord will provide, uh, meaning that this is where God provided, because he simply did what God wanted him to do. Amen? So, in closing, if you're struggling with something, if you're wrestling with something, Remember that this day God is saying to you, I shall bring you through this. Alright? I shall bring you through it. Whatever it is. I don't care how insurmountable it may seem, I don't seem like it, okay, if it's a huge mountain or it seems like it's an impossibility, you can't intellectually figure out how God is going to do it, forget it. Give it up. You can't. You can't. Our ways are not God's ways, according to his words. Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. You know, more importantly, we don't know the future, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but God does, all right? So if there's something you're hanging on for, you're, you're, you're waiting for, it's going to be in God's season, you know? But when God provides something, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing, all right? It's always a good thing. You know, I'm waiting for him to tell me when the next new iPad's going to come out, right? because it's going to be a good thing. All right, but praise God, praise God. I hope that this uh, message has been a blessing to you. Think about it, chew on it, as the uh, word says, and meditate on it. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.